Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, the show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My guest today is Mr. Groovy from the website freedomisgroovy.com. And Mr. Groovy, you reached out and you called me out on Twitter and you said, uh, let's see if I can get any personal oh, finance bloggers to pay that. attention. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you had emailed wow. me as well, but your email was buried in the deluge. And you said, I've got an idea and I'm daring any personal finance people to take a look at it. And I, I admired the, uh, I admired your spunk. I like that. Your chutzpah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> so we're going to get to the idea that, uh, that we're primarily here to discuss, which is your idea for a junior IRA. I think it'll be an interesting discussion. But before mm-hmm. that, I'd love to learn a little bit about your story and your background, uh, and where you came from, especially as it relates sure, to money. Sure, sure. Um, uh, originally from New York. I don't know if you could tell by my accent. Didn't have a clue. Okay. Uh, and again, if I speak too fast or you don't understand me, I won't be insulted if you say, hey, Mr. Guru, back up, do it again. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm from New York, and uh, I got married in 2002 to Mrs. Groovy. And we were struggling in New York. We were getting hammered. It's, uh, it's tough. And to give you an idea, you know, this is 2003. I had a 600-square-foot condo, a box, and our taxes were $3,800 a year. That's crazy. And just to show you, this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. 2003, my mortgage company sends me you know, that letter, what's your taxes going to be the following year? They were going from $3,700, to $5,400. Wow. And I turned to Mrs. Groove and I said, what the heck are we doing here? And on top of that, our condo was falling apart, so we had a, an assessment. Our monthly uh, HOA was going from 280 to 467 I said, we're out of here. And that's kind of how it started, believe it or not. We, we gave ourselves a three-year plan. We said uh, – because around this time, believe it or not, we also discovered Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. and his idea of shedding debt, you know, uh, living below your means appealed to us. It just hit us. It said, huh, this, this makes so much sense. So we wanted to do that. And we said, we can't do that in New York. And Mrs. Groovy, when she was, she's from Brooklyn, by the way, when she graduated high school, uh, she spent a summer in North Carolina. So mm-hmm. I said, and she said she loved North Carolina. I said, that's fine by me. Anything's better than New York. So we had our three-year plan. And the reason why we had the three-year plan, one, we wanted to shed all our consumer debt. We weren't going to shed the mortgage, but we wanted to shed the consumer debt and develop a transition fund. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if we were going to have jobs when we get down to North Carolina. And so I said, 2006. And the reason why we chose 2006 because that's when I had 20 years at my government job and I would have an enhanced pension. So it made sense not to walk away from that. And we were very, very fortunate. 2006 rolled around. We sold our one-bedroom condo. Now, Joshua, get this. I bought it in 1998 for $70,000. All right, We sold it in 2006, which happened to be the height of the real estate craze. For three hundred and forty thousand, <laughs> yeah, wow. So and so we said, and oddly enough, we chose Charlotte, North Carolina. And the only reason we chose Charlotte, North Carolina, when we started doing our research, we, were gonna, we started driving down to North Carolina, checking out different areas. The week before our first trip, there was an article in the New York Times travel section about Charlotte, how it was an up and coming city, things are happening there. So we said, hey, let's take a ride down to Charlotte. And we, we really did love it. We checked out the Raleigh area. I'm trying to think if we checked out, uh, we checked out the Asheville area. But Charlotte just seemed to fit. So we decided on Charlotte. And that's basically how it happened. Uh, we were very, very fortunate. We, we were able to come down to Charlotte, buy a house outright. So in 2006, we went from a precarious financial situation to uh, an amazing financial situation. We had no debt. Uh, we owned our house outright. And kind of the cherry on the top, uh, Mrs. Groovy kept her New York job. They liked her and they let her telecommute. Wow. So, like I said, everything just, you know, we, we were very fortunate. And I had a government job. So I started, you know, I built up a lot of time. 
I basically had a year's worth of income for my, you know, my New York job. And, uh, you know, so I, there was no pressure on it for me to get a job right away. So I took my time. I ended up getting a nice gig down in Charlotte. So in 2006, we had very nice income, no debt, uh, no kids. That makes it a lot easier, too. And we were uh, able to save 50% of our salary right off the bat. That's awesome. And so you've continued that for the last decade? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, one thing about uh, Mrs. Groovy and I, we're not, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, we, we're not into a flashy lifestyle. I don't need a Lexus. You know, my, my 2004 Camry is fine with me. Uh, a great Saturday night for us, Joshua, a Dairy Queen having a blizzard. We're very happy. So we didn't do any, uh, we didn't get a McMansion. We didn't, um, you know, we just got a modest home and we live a modest lifestyle. Uh, no, uh, we're not reinventing the wheel, so to speak. Right, right. Are you, uh, so I, t- I talk a lot about financial uh, independence and early retirement, and uh, I, I had the sense that you've kind of uh, connected some with that type, with that community. Are you guys still working? Are you retired? We are going to retire this October. That's exciting. And it is. It is. And, you know, it, it's funny because uh, I, I give Mrs. Groovy credit because she discovered Dave Ramsey. And probably around 2013, 2014, I'm not sure the exact year, I discovered Mr. Money Mustache. And I don't know, you're probably well aware of him. Uh, he had a, a famous post where he said, as long as you save 25 times your annual expenses, you could retire. And I'm saying, hmm. I bet you we're pretty close. So, uh, you know, last year we ran the numbers and we were above that. I, to tell you the truth, I thought I was working until 67. And because of Mr. Money Mustache, the, I got, the idea got in our heads that, hey, we could pull this off a lot sooner. So, yeah, we, we uh, as I call it, I call it the mustachian threshold. We, we, we're, we're past the mustachian threshold. We could retire. What age will you be in, in October? We're old. I'll be 55. Oh, uh-huh. So old. <laughs> what are you going to do yeah. for the next 50 years of your life? <laughs> oh, good question. <laughs> it's funny because, um, I mean, one of the reasons why we got into blogging is because to give us something to do. Uh, also, I, th- I thought our story was interesting. I thought our experiences were interesting, that people could be motivated or, or, or get something out of it. So I had, actually had a blog uh, or a post one uh, one week where I, I said what I'm going to do. And it's kind of weird, but here we go, Joshua. I'm going to pick up garbage. I'm going to bake bread. I'm going to blog. And I'm going to travel. That's what I'm going to do in retirement. And as we get later into the, uh, the podcast, I, I gave myself another chore to take care of. Which is the junior IRA. <laughs> cool. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, don't retire until you're very clear on what you want to do. Otherwise, retirement will kill you. Um, yes. You, you got The only way to successfully retire is to transition from something that is less compelling to something that is more compelling. And going from something to nothing is not a good, uh, not a good plan. No, the, no. Your story is remarkable because I would bet that there are thousands of other families just like yours in the Northeast, who yep. could easily make a, a similar transition, yep. and just simply in the numbers that you outlined, uh, you go from. So, how much were you were you and your wife earning when you were in New York City? All right, uh, at the time when we left in two thousand six, probably around a hundred thirty thousand combined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now and, she and, kept her New York jo- uh, job with a high income, with a New York income, but sure. moved to a lower cost of living place. Yeah. And then when you got a job in North Carolina, did you replace your New York income? Was it less? No. No. Uh, I took about a thirty-five thousand dollars hit. Okay. And do you have any sense of what happened with your expenses? Uh yeah. Um, I'm trying to at least. Well. Uh, they went down to uh, for, just for example, we, we we were tracking our expenses. I think uh, 2006, we were averaging our expenses. We spent about I would say sixty five, sixty eight hundred dollars a month. Now, very rarely do we go over two thousand dollars a month. So 
And just for example, when I left New York, my taxes on a, a 600 square foot condo were $5,400 a year. I have a 2,000 square foot house right now. And last year was the first year my taxes went over 2,000. So I would say our expenses went down at least a half, maybe two thirds. And I would bet that, let's see, New York, excuse me, North Carolina does have a state income tax. What yep. is it, 5%, 5.5%? I think 5.75, something like that. So I would bet that you had some tax savings, some income tax mm-hmm. savings. Um, but even if you, I was just trying to kind of mentally run the numbers here. Mm-hmm. Even if you went from 130 and you took a $35,000 pay cut uh, mm-hmm. when you were reemployed in New York, in North Carolina, mm-hmm. you would have had a, a savings, number one, you were at a, that was at the higher marginal bracket. Um, so you would have had some savings. Savings um, from tax savings, some savings yep. from changing from New York City and New York State taxes to North Carolina taxes, and just a dramatically yep. different cost structure. And Absolutely. you know, as you said there, now you sold at a fortuitous time, mm-hmm. but you know, three hundred and forty thousand um, pull out seventy thousand dollars of basis. I mean, you were sitting on <clears throat> two hundred seventy thousand dollars of gain and probably at least three hundred thousand dollars of equity. And just simply by moving out of the overpriced um, yep. region of the country to a more moderately priced region of the country, that dramatically mm-hmm. affected your situation right there. And that's three hundred thousand dollars tax free. Exactly. Uh, and. You you throw in all the other costs of living. You throw in the lifestyle costs. You throw in having a city that's a, that's you don't have to take a taxi everywhere. In mm-hmm. uh, it's just <sighs> I, I appreciate <laughs> exactly. you you the New Yorker sharing the story. I honestly scratch my head many times and I just say, why on earth do normal people live Not in places perfect. like Chicago or New mm-hmm. York or Boston. Now, I understand mm-hmm. why um, Donald Trump lives in New York City. Sure. I understand why a hedge fund manager might live there. But I never understand why do normal people um, live there? Why do middle class people live there other than simply the inertia of, mm-hmm. of yeah. hey, this is where we're from? Exactly. And um, just I'll throw this out. and It, it – uh, affected me for a while, but then I woke up. When I was growing up, I thought New York was the center of the universe. If you didn't live in New York, well, you know, your life is horrible. And the first inkling I got that there is life outside of New York, oddly enough, I went to uh, Buffalo University. Uh, when I graduated high school, I went to Buffalo University. And, you know, Buffalo, small town, relative to New, relative to New York, and people were nice. There were plenty of things to do. It was a nice place to live. This is obviously in the early 80s, not now. But it was the first time it was in my head that you know, New York is not the center of the universe. You can go other places and still live a rewarding life and have a good time. So I was definitely open to leaving New York. And like I said, you know, it's it all – my brother-in-law, he lives in Manhattan. He does the galleries. He does the restaurants. He does the shows. He does the museums. I certainly didn't do that stuff. I sat in my living room. I could sit in my living room in North Carolina. I don't need to sit in, in New York and eat Doritos. So, for, and, and most people like that. Most people aren't going to galleries, aren't going to lectures at NYU. Uh, you know, they're just, you know, occasionally they'll go into Manhattan and see an Islander Ranger game. Uh, you know, so once I got over that, you know, that mental hump, so to speak, that, you know, there are nice places in the United States outside of New York. Uh, I was open to it. My, my biggest, uh, you know, the only thing that was really keeping me in New York, like you said, inertia, but the family, you know, and friends. You know, I love my family. I love my friends. But, you know, when it all is said and done, you got to do what's best for you. And it just didn't make sense staying in New York. I'll forgive you for thinking that New York City was the center of the universe because yeah. I, I, for years, thought the United States was the center of the universe. Yep. And then there I started traveling. Yep. I said, wait a second. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I, let's, let's transition here to discussing the junior IRA. I am going <laughs> to hereby anoint you and exalt you to be the oh, grand God. high exalted <laughs> mystic ruler of the United States. And uh-huh. I now give you the command authority to do whatever you want to solve the IRA uh, problem for juniors. Now, describe to me your plan. Uh, Joshua, like it, it, it's not earth-shattering. All it is, it's a Roth IRA 
for minors that doesn't have a work requirement and can be funded by anyone or any institution. That's it. And that's all we need. So what's the backstory on why you started thinking about this? Uh, I have a cousin who actually just recently moved down to North Carolina. And her and her husband are pharmacists. And they have two young kids, uh, you know, eight, five. And believe me, my cousin, I love her. She's one of the sweetest people I ever met in my life. But she's into that consumerist thing. So these kids have so much stuff. You know, you wouldn't believe. I go into their house. I, I think I'm at, I don't know, I'm, I'm at Macy's. I go into the room. There's so many, you know, figurines, toys, and, uh, you know, electronic equipment. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. So Mrs. Groovy and I, we, you know, come Christmas time, we wanted to get the kids something. And we didn't want to, you know, they have enough stuff. Uh, you know, we would have loved to have given the gift of, you know, uh, you know, compound interest, the, the gift of capital, something that, you know, it goes into a, an account and they don't touch it for the next 40 years. Because uh, they said they already have enough stuff. And we started doing some research and there's really nothing out there. I mean, there are some people and some organizations who are making some effort, but nothing really worked. And then it just hit me one day. I said, you know, why can't the parents just open up a Roth IRA for these kids and I'd rather give $50 and put it into the kid's uh, Roth IRA. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that, that was kind of like the, I don't know, the genesis. Uh, that's how it started. And then I started looking into it. And like I said, there are some, you know, people are trying to be creative, uh, probably too creative because they're trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we got a perfect platform. We, we, got, the, we got the infrastructure. All we have to do is just tweak the law a little bit, and we could do a lot of damage or a lot of good. So here we come to uh, – well, before I kind of start rebutting, because I want to argue with you about this. Sure, I think it will be sure. fun. But go ahead and describe to me um, – how you, you designed this thing in a nutshell. And yep. so you think that you know, baby comes into the United States, uh, they go home um, – with a birth certificate and a junior IRA, describe exactly. to me. Describe to me um, more of the characteristics that you designed for this this hypothetical account. Yep. Um, basically, as you said, baby's born, leave the hospital with a birth certificate and a junior IRA. Now, at this point, uh, it, it would be the guardians or the parents' job to pick a custodian for the junior IRA, and you know, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, etc. Then I tweak it a little bit from the Roth IRA. I, my contribution limit is $1,000. And again, that $1,000 can come from the parents. It can come from grandparents. It can come from uncles. It can come from churches, charitable organizations, whoever. And whoever makes a contribution, there's no tax deduction. You, know, you don't get any benefit from it. You're giving it because you just want to give, you know, help secure a child's retirement. Um, let's see what else. Let me just scroll down here. Excuse me one second. Now, initially I was considering that the federal government would provide some seed money. I would say if the, if the federal government would kick in a thousand dollars and the, and whatever state the child was uh, born in, would kick in another thousand dollars. That'd be a great way to jumpstart this process. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, I, I decided to scrap that idea. And then again, Child would have $1,000. We contribute to this junior IRA every year till they're 18. And when they're 18, it becomes a Roth IRA. And it follows the normal rules. I mean, I would tweak it a little bit. I would like to see where a junior IRA converted Roth could not, you could not take any money out until you were 59 and a half. Um, but that's negotiable. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I'm going to hold my thoughts for just a minute until you okay. fully explain the concept. Sure. And let me ask. So in designing this, you, the primary thing that you're trying to accomplish is helping young people to have massive amounts of money simply exactly. due to starting early, right? 
Exactly. Okay. Now, do do did you anticipate? Were you considering? And again, this is all just mind games for fun. Sure. I think it's a, it's sure. a, it's a fun conversation. Um, were you anticipating that, uh, for example, uh, Social Security would be removed because they have a Roth IRA or Junior IRA, or were you anticipating no. that any other changes were, would be made? No, it, it was going to augment all the existing, uh, you know, financial vehicles or. Retirement vehicles, you know, Social Security would remain the same. Uh, you know, if you had a workplace retirement plan, you know, uh, vehicle, a four hundred one k, four hundred three b, that would remain the same. This would kind of sit on top, at least, you know, get especially young people started early. You know, take advantage of that, you know, the power of compound interest. That was the whole idea, and also, I said to myself, if people started early, if you contribute. $83 a month when you were zero, I mean, that would be, and continue doing that until you were 60, that would be $1.3 million for not lifting very much. So that was kind of like the whole thought. Um, I mean, is that? Yeah. So let's put some numbers to it just for fun. So let's say, sure. um, th- just to give people an idea, let's say that you had somebody starting with $1,000. Let's put that in as $1,000. And let's say that they're going to access the account when they're 65. And mm. let's use 10% um, to have some nice, high, exciting, juicy That's numbers here. No payments, but starting with $1,000 for 60. Uh, no, because of no payments. Um, mm-hmm. No payments uh, for 65 years, starting with $1,000, would be about a half a million dollars okay. um, at 65. Now, if you wanted to add some payments per month, let's put in 20 bucks a month for a payment. Mm-hmm. Um, so now if you just put 20 bucks uh, a month, you're at 600000 You put in 100 bucks a month into an account like this, and we're at a million bucks. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to help your kid become a millionaire at 65 years old, you mm-hmm. can do it a thousand bucks on the day that they're born and a hundred bucks a month. And the 10 percent right. investment return left alone for 65 years will um, accumulate to be yep. uh, a million bucks. Yep. So it does a good job of showing um, uh, of showing. Uh, how if you start and you grow, and especially if you can do it free of taxation, mm-hmm. the money can grow substantially. Now, here's the problem with your plan. Mm-hmm. Whatever gave you the idea that the federal tax code was written to benefit people? Right. <laughs> I I have no counter to that. So, so what's your political background? Because on your site, uh, you, ta- you 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 have this great little graphic called "Take a Hit of Freedom." Um, mm-hmm. What's your political perspective that you come from and philosophy? Uh, that, that's uh, I don't want to turn people off. Uh, it's kind of uh, you know I'm I was born in '61. I'm not really a child of the '60s. It's it's kind of I've always been intrigued by it. But I'm definitely probably to I'm to the right of Attila the Hun. Okay, so you're over on the libertarian side, or just like yeah. right wing yeah. Republican? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say libertarian. Okay, uh, you know, I worked in government for 20 years. I, I, I've seen how the sausage is made, and uh, my advice to people is depend on government as little as possible. Uh, I, I I don't know. People's experiences with government are different than mine because I don't think it really does anything well. And I'm not saying they're, that's their intent, uh, the typical government employee. I, I just seen, you know, the, um, I call it the inherent limitations of government. Uh, you know, you got a conscripted clientele. If you're bad, you don't go out of business. Uh, you got t- basically tenured employees. And there's a tendency to get soft and, and not do a good job. I've seen it. I've seen it when I worked in a highway department. And I would say on a typical day, we gave the taxpayers about two or three hours of work. And, you know, that's – I'm sure there are other government agencies uh, at different levels that may do better. But I don't think we were that far off the norm. And, again, I'm not saying they're bad people. I, I know the people I work with were basically good people, but they – you know, they, 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 they adapt their behaviors to their environment. And it just, like I said, I prefer less government. Uh, I would love to, un, you know, be able to unbundle some of the government services. Hey, if you want to, you know, if you want government to take care of your retirement, hey, go at it. Uh, but me, and I would advise people, you know, you, like I say, it, it's, 
you know, people get upset about this. They go get emotional. I think if you have a, I, I call it a prime culture, you know, you have, uh, you know, you work, you know, you, know, you, know, you, you don't, uh, you know, dabble in drugs, you, you, you try to be a good person. You don't need as much government as, let's say, the mainstream tells you you need. Um, does that make sense, Josh, yeah, or am yeah. I going too far off? No, no t- t- hey, uh, we're, not, we're not scared of controversy around here. The reason I was asking about that is – and, and uh, you – because in your original proposal that I had read, you uh-huh. used the number of $3,000. And so let's yeah. – and so yeah. what happens – what's interesting is if you start with $3,000 uh, uh-huh. and in your original proposal you said $2,000 coming from the government and $1,000 right. from other sources. If you just put in $3,000 into that calculator like we just did, sixty five. Uh-huh. Years, ten percent, ten percent rate of return uh, as an average over the course of sixty-five years. Three thousand dollars winds up being about a million and a half dollars. Yeah, and yeah. so what this demonstrates is it demonstrates the utter absurdity of a program like Social Security, uh, because when you recognize that if you just set aside now again we're assuming here that the capital markets continue functioning like they sure. have, we're assuming sure. um, that the future looks like the past, which is always dangerous. There are going to be changes, but yep. you could see how in the private world, three thousand dollars at the start of a person's life can be multi millions of dollars to provide for their. Retirement security. If we just push that number out to seventy here, let me switch to the number seventy. Mm. So, so because that's the, the entering retirement age, two point yep. three. So two million three hundred sixty nine thousand dollars, starting with three thousand dollars at age zero, and then yep. at seventy, two million three hundred sixty nine thousand uh-huh. dollars. Two and a half. So two point four million dollars. Now, that ought to be enough to pay for a lifestyle of luxury for a seventy year old. Right. And you would think if you thought for a moment, you would think, well, wait a second. Why don't we do this under a program like Social Security? Mm-hmm. It will never have happen, Mr. Groovy, because you have to deal with the incompetence of <laughs> bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I mean part of the reason uh, it's – I don't like Social Security in the sense that it's a pay-as-you-go. Uh, you, you know, What we contribute right now is not being – it's not accumulating in some fund, some account for us. It's just, it's going out. Right. And, you know, we, we get to do it with the future generations when I reach, you know, 67, 70. I don't like that. I'd rather not be dependent on future workers. I'd rather, if I can, take care of this myself. So I'm with you. I, I agree 100%. Uh, my fear is it, it, it's, it's a political non-starter. Right. People are, you know, uh, like I said, people, like at least 50% of the country, they love government. If you even talk about diverting some of the money from Social Security to pre-fund someone's retirement, it, first thing you'll hear out of their mouths is, you're privatizing Social Security. It's an outrage. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that could be overcome. I don't. I, I don't. I don't believe it ever will be. Uh, Bush yeah. forty three tried. Yeah, and exactly. I read his biography. His autobiography, and one of the things he talked about. He talked about that was that he says in his autobiography. He says it was one of his biggest regrets that he really mm-hmm. thought he could do some good, and there was just such pushback. Uh, oh, and there's yeah. no. I, I mean, it's. I love that that you went through the work to kind of think and say, well, look, if we just tweak this a little bit and we adjusted this and we made this available, and who knows, maybe maybe right. you know they'll. Come out, you know, what happened to the IRA? Remember, uh, somehow people were, 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 you know, there's still the IRA accounts that, that technically exist, but um, <laughs> I mean, is anybody using them? No, okay. <laughs> that's the thing. I haven't checked the numbers um, right. to, to be to give actual data to that, but they're basically non-effective. And, and, and because all the people who want to contribute, there are plenty of ways to do it. Uh, and the, and the people who don't, um, you know, they don't want to contribute. They need the money. Uh, right. that's always, that's always the challenge. Um, right. It's, there are so many good ideas. I mean, my idea, I'd, I'd want up you, I just get rid of the income tax mm. and then the whole thing, is, hey. the whole thing is fixed. Right. Um, and, and uh, or at the very least, just go to a flat tax on. I'd 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 probably give up my hardcore give up the income tax um, mm-hmm. stance if we went to a flat tax. You know uh, what yep. was it? Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy uh, was running for president. Um, uh, 
Cruz, Ron Ted Paul. Cruz, Ted Cruz, okay. uh, Ted Cruz. He was he was arguing for was it a ten or fifteen percent flat across the rate. Mm-hmm. I'd give up every every bracket, every exception. I'd even yeah. give up capital gains if he mm-hmm. just put a flat tax because then yeah. it aligns incentives and all right. this uh, all of these things that we go through. We can come up with these plans, but ultimately at the center of it stands the problem of the fact that we're adjusting our investment activities mm-hmm. in order to avoid the 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 reach of the tax man. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's crazy. It's crazy, and uh, I, like I said, I, I I'm with you. I mean, we're definitely kindred spirits. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I was I didn't know if we would be or not because I thought it was interesting because oh, uh, I did I hadn't read a bunch on your blog, but I just thought it would be an interesting uh, discussion either way. So talk to Josh, me. Go ahead. That was a, a, a little sidetrack. Uh, a while back, you did your solilo- soliloquy. Is that the right word on uh, education on college education? I'm walking. I'm doing my daily walk. I'm listening to. That. I'm going. Joshua was in my freaking brain. That's exactly the way I think. <laughs> That's great. So tell me, uh, in researching uh, for this interview, I told you to go and uh, find some alternatives that you can actually do today. So talk to me about some yeah. of the alternatives for those parents who have children sure. that would love to do more that we actually have in today's yeah. world. Like I said, there there are definitely alternatives out there. Um, you know, and they're all like they're, like I said, they're they're good, but they you know they're tough. Uh, you know, one of them is um, Spark Gift, which I think is a very clever idea where you could buy fractional shares of, let's say, Disney stock and gift it to a child, which is awesome. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fab. Like I said, I'd rather give, uh, you know, I don't know what Disney stock is these days, you know, one-tenth of a share to a child than, you know, another gift card so they could buy more stuff. Uh, again, that's an option. Um I don't think it's optimal because I said who, you know, the parents would be the guardians of this uh, stock. Are they going to hold on to it till the child's 18? Is the child going to hold on to it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not a bad idea. You know, it definitely works. You know, it could help people out. Um, the next one I found was uh, from Rick Edelman. He has something called the Ricky Trust. And basically, it, you know, it's, again, you're putting money into a, uh, a child's account that he can't touch till he's 59 or 60. And it's a great idea. But for the Ricky Trust, you need a lawyer. And that's $400. And the minimum investment is $5,000. And again, that's going to help some people out. Great idea. Great workaround. Certainly better than anything we have right now. But part of my idea of thinking about the junior IRA, I try to think of worst case scenarios. Like, let's say, I'm thinking of the welfare mother with, with three kids. Right. You know, the Ricky Trust isn't an option. So that's what I say. It's, it's a great idea. It could definitely help some people out. But it's definitely people with means. Uh, you know, it's the one percenters who could more likely take advantage of the Ricky Trust than the average person. Um, another one I saw that was um, pretty interesting um, well, let's see. I don't know. Let's see if we want to get into that. Um, well, you know, are you familiar with Senator Bob Carey from Nebraska? No, I'm not. Yeah, he was a, a senator from Nebraska uh, in the 90s. And in the late 90s, he came up with an idea called Kids Save, which is very similar to my Roth IRA, junior, excuse me, junior IRA. And he's kind of revived it. He's no longer a senator. I think uh, for a while he was a uh, president of the new school in Manhattan. Now I think he's aligned with some foundation. And, you know, they're trying to you know, get that going again. Um, so, well, that's, that's a tangent. We, we'll, we may discuss that later. The other one, technically, you can still get a Roth IRA for your child. You know, any parent can set up this account for for their children. The only problem is it has to come from, you know, the child has to work. And, again, this is geared towards parents who, uh, let me see, let me get that website. I'm sorry, Joshua. I should have been more prepared. No problem. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll expand the content. Any any parent who uh, so the rules, the reason why you have to have a junior IRA concept instead of a Roth IRA for kids mm-hmm. is that you're only eligible to participate in a Roth IRA if you have earned income. Exactly. So your zero year old or your one year old doesn't have earned right. income to contribute to the account. Mm-hmm. So until or unless you can help them to have earned income. They can't participate in a Roth IRA. But mm-hmm. if you can work out a way to uh, allow, enable, equip, um, facilitate your child receiving some kind of earned income, yep. then you can go ahead and you can establish for them a Roth IRA. And exactly. then you can make contributions into that account. And a simple yep. way to do that is just for the parent to do a matching contribution. So if you can arrange for your child to earn $1,000, mm-hmm. go ahead and give your child $1,000 and then use that $1,000 to spend or to to invest or to save, teach them their money management with that. And you yep. go ahead and put their earned income into the Roth IRA, and you can mm-hmm. put all of it into the Roth IRA. And yeah. when you're a child filing tax returns, you're generally going to be at a fairly low uh, or mm-hmm. non-existent income tax bracket, especially in the first few thousand dollars of income. And so it's a good way to go ahead and get a, get some money into an account where it can grow yeah. over a child's lifetime with no taxation under current tax law. Um, Joshua, I found this woman uh, – her name is uh, Natalie Morris. If you Google that, she has a website, and she set it up for her kids. And her and her husband, they're into real estate. They have an LLC. And I think they have, you know, obviously, age-appropriate jobs for their kids through this LLC. And I think they limit it to $600 a year because I think that's when – I think if it's under $600 and less, you don't have to worry about Social Security taxes. So – you know, there are options, but you got to be somewhat sophisticated to take advantage of a Roth IRA for a child. Right, right. And I would encourage listeners to go back and listen to the re- recent episode I did on teaching uh, – what I think it's, I think I titled it something like How to Teach Your Eight-Year-Old to Invest, uh, mm. where – where one of the one of the the balancing points is children so it's my belief children should be working it's cruel to children not to teach them to work mm-hmm. uh and so a lot of people would would fight me over those words but mm-hmm. you want to teach children uh yeah. to work and so go ahead and employ them employ them in your household employ them in your business go ahead and pay them help them to get other jobs and then use that income in if you want to go ahead and do it use that income to set it up and to establish the Roth IRA yeah. And then you can help them to to start to get some of these benefits that Mr. Groovy is talking about mm-hmm. under existing tax law. Yeah. And like I said, there are all workarounds. Uh, and I just say to myself, we, you know, we have a retirement crisis in this country. Joshua, hardly a week goes by where I don't see an article about how Americans aren't saving enough. And I just say to myself, why are we making this so hard? All right. Well, but here's why. <laughs> there, it's not hard, and and so that's where again we're going to get into political ideology. I'm about to tell you mm-hmm. my opinion, two guys sure. sitting talking. It's yeah. not hard to save for retirement. You proved it. Okay, mm-hmm. you were working a government job. You were living in the Northeast. You said this is crazy. I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to save mm-hmm. some money, uh, save a transition fund. I'm going to move to a better place, and now I'm going to focus on living a simpler, less expensive lifestyle. The yeah. reason why we have a retirement crisis is that people do not have the character or the skills to save money. That's mm-hmm. it. It yeah. has always been very, very easy in the United States of America for those who had the character and developed the skills mm-hmm. to build wealth. That's why the vast majority of our millionaires are first-generation rich. They did it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that most people don't have the character and they don't have the skills. And don't expect it to get any better until you uh, no. substitute a system where people are taught that character, where mm-hmm. people are taught those those skills. Uh, I could take this conversation to a bunch of areas of how you mm-hmm. do that. But don't expect it to change. It's not going to change. No. Don't expect the uh, the government systems to to change there because when you look at even just the um, the voting blocks, the the uh-huh. the older dependent population will continue uh-huh. to vote themselves yep. um, money until ultimately the federal government goes bankrupt. That's yeah. that's the only solution that I see to it. And so what Greece. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll happen. I don't know whether it'll yeah. be I don't know whether it'll be a couple decades or a decade or right. four decades. Right. I don't know. It will but happen. I place zero um 
I place zero priority for me or my family on mm-hmm. expecting any kind of federal um, entitlement programs. Yeah. So, but what we can Great. do is we don't have to sit around and whine about it. Just those things will right. play themselves out in the coming decades. Anybody who's paying attention to it knows um, every, knows that Medicare is bankrupt. Knows that Social mm-hmm. Security is bankrupt. It's yeah. already been adjusted. It'll be adjusted a bunch more times to continue the games. The key is to say what can we do and what mm-hmm. can we do for ourselves. So what we can do is we can decouple ourselves and we can become less dependent on those systems. We can get involved and support the people around us and put the, the infrastructure mm-hmm. in place so that when the federal systems fail, that right. we're in place to help them because we have a responsibility. You know, for, for example, I have a responsibility for the widows and orphans that are all around me. I have a responsibility mm-hmm. for those who are in need. So I need to be exactly. working and preparing now to support those people who aren't going to be supported in the future. Mm-hmm. And we have the responsibility and the opportunity to transform the next generation because it's amazingly transformative for your niece or nephew's favorite uncle to uh, – it's amazingly helpful for your niece or nephew's favorite uncle to give them some shares of stock and teach them mm-hmm. how stocks work. Exactly. But you can take that as an uncle and you can ramp that up and you can teach them to work. You can teach them about job skills. You can teach them about mm-hmm. business skills. You can teach them about investing. And if you just simply teach young men and women the concept of compound interest, they get it. They will get it. And then you can transform people's lives. And, um, you know, I I haven't taught my kids yet about compound interest, but give them about five more years and (laughs) they will know about it because that was when I understood compound interest and someone explained, and I learned it from a book that I found from Uh the library, just a simple little compound interest chart. Here's two savers. One saver starts at 18 and saves Uh till 25. The other guy kicks in at 25. Kids will get it. And so take the time and invest the time and energy into into teaching them and that will have – tremendous effects throughout society. Josh, let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, you, you've, basic, you, you've seen or you, uh, you know the basic outline of my plan. What don't you like about it? What are the flaws that you see? I don't have a, a, Yeah, I don't have a – I'll link to the blog post so listeners mm-hmm. can, um, can read it. Um, here at this point, um, it, I don't have any problem with your plan. Mm-hmm. I have zero interest in pursuing anything with regard to legislation or government Ah, influence. I see it as a total waste of time and Mm -hmm. I don't wish to be involved in any way. So what I – that's 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 how I treat it personally. So you, <laughs> it's not that I don't have anything pro- problem with it. But there are so many great solutions that could be done. Uh, mm-hmm. There, People thinking, careful – considerate uh-huh. people who are accounting for the risks, they're accounting for the, 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 the problems, they're accounting for the rebuttals and the objections. People sit in think tanks up in Washington and around the Beltway and write papers that are brilliant, uh-huh. but they never does anything. And so right. I have no interest in participating in that losing game. I'm doing it as far as I'm concerned with radical personal finance. I'll just do an end run around them and I'll yeah. teach people how yeah. to build freedom for themselves and that uh-huh. over time will have an impact. Right. Um, you always have to change the hearts and minds of people before um, the government gets involved. And yeah. I also, I mean, just these are my opinions. Sure, sure. I'll just label them as opinions. Um, as far as I can tell, um, the federal government will have very li- will look very different a half a century from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I see no way for. I see no way for the current systems to be resuscitated. Right. And so I don't think that, I don't think there's any problem this year or next year, but in 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, I just don't see it. And so what happens is when economic forces press on people, look at how deeply society changed um, as a result of 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been an interesting ride um, since then, but that changed um, a generation. That changed how people uh, are affected. And the cycles, the best I can guess, these cycles were gonna, uh, of, of 
economic cycles are going to continue to get uh-huh. deeper and stronger. And so the next recession, there's a, there's a, there's a certainly a possibility, uh, and I would say a good possibility, uh, that it will be deeper and longer than the last one was, and that starts to affect people. And uh-huh. at some point in time, the checks from Washington either dry up right. or they're worthless, and people have to have new <laughs> solutions. Uh, no, I, I, Joshua, I, believe me, I, uh, like I said, we're kindred spirits. I agree. Uh, you know, even Mrs. Groovy said this is tilted at windmills. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, and I also think that I think it's a waste of time to pursue anything at a national level. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not saying that nobody should do that. Right. But and the the biggest political opportunity for people who want to make change is in their local uh, local local, sure, you know, sure. it's county, city, county, et cetera. That's mm-hmm. where the change happens. And so I just, I, I personally don't see any reason to be involved in national politics right. or to right. do, or to pay much attention because mm-hmm. there's no possibility of changing um, those. But on a local level, you can change those. So people can go in and they can, you can go into the Charlotte um, school system and you can put in place a better system of education to teach second graders. You right. can go in and you can run for a local election uh, and mm-hmm. shrink the local budget. You can affect those things. And so that's um, – I don't have any problem with the proposal. I, I'm, I wanted to give you some airtime and, and, sure, and publish sure. it, but that's why I don't get involved in those no, kinds of things. No, and you're not wrong. You know, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a tough problem. Uh, and like I said, I just uh, – we're kicking around some ideas. Uh, and I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's, you don't want to say it's hopeless. Uh, and I, I agree with you. It's um, – it's you could prepare yourself. You could do like you could do a lot of workarounds, and that's probably your best bet. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look at on taxation on every level, mm. and so it, all of the problems that that we we can identify, right. they have a solution that somebody can do today, or they will be able to do. So, if you want to escape income tax, move. You right. want to um, lower your sales taxes in the future. You, I mean. 3D printing is going uh-huh. to revolutionize things. Now yep. it'll take another decade or something for it uh-huh. to be perfected, but but all of the all of the systems of control that large federal that that our large federal government has relied on to support itself and to exert influence and control um, are steadily going to 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 dissolve. And right. if you look at um, you know, I pay a lot of attention to schooling trends, for example. There mm-hmm. is a mass exodus out of government schools. Now, oh, yeah. it's still at the very beginning. It's still on the smaller stages. But when you look at it percentage-wise and you look at how things um, gain traction and you look, mm-hmm. at, the, look at those movements, um, those are the things that I watch and that mm-hmm. I think will have uh, influence and control over time. Agreed. I, I, I said to myself, uh, I don't know what the government schools can teach you right now that you can't learn yourself if you wanted to learn it. I don't know what they're doing that it costs $10,000 per pupil per year. Teachers, you can't do yourself. Teachers unions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, like, you said it. You were in the highway department, man. Take that and multiply oh, it times more. Absolutely. Teachers I, unions. I, you know, when I, when I get into these discussions, you know, people talk about crony capitalism. I said, don't forget crony socialism. Right. Yeah. And that's a big problem too. I mean, the teachers, uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, any money that goes to education, that's their money. Right. No and one else can touch it. If you look, I mean, you can see it at every level. The school districts, they got to have the students coming. Why do you have free breakfast? And, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. it, it's it's all follow the money. And so these, uh-huh. these things take time. You have to be patient. But there are all kinds of people who recognize, there are teachers all around the world who look at someone like Salman Khan and say, listen, this guy is an okay teacher. I can do better than that, and uh-huh. they leave the t- they leave this the, t- the system and they go do something better. And yeah. this 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 leaves time where it looks on the outside like everything is is uh, everything is hunky dory, but but what you have is the formerly strong um, uh, corporation that existed has been gutted, uh-huh. and so those things those things have an impact over time. You just have to be patient to see the effects Absolutely. of them, and I see them loud and clear as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I mean, look at look you you on uh, on 
with writing your blog and being uh-huh. on this show, you can reach – you just reached in this interview thousands of people, probably in excess of 10,000 people all around the world. When has it ever been possible before in human history Never. for two unknown dudes exactly. sitting here having a discussion, <laughs> airing points of view that are uniquely our own to reach thousands of people? Never. So now you're making me nervous. I wasn't nervous until <laughs> just now. Well, that's good. So, so be optimistic about the future and uh, and keep writing and keep. Um, I, I I like the idea. I if 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 a junior IRA were an option, I would probably toss a thousand bucks into one just in case. I'd also expect the the I'd also expect um, the the officials to change just like they've changed on almost every law to change the rules at some point. I'd keep oh, yeah. a close eye on them, but yeah, I'd watch it and I'd, I'd I'd take advantage of it for as long as I could myself. <laughs> so. So, no, I, I, Josh, like I said, one of the things I like about you and why I'm a fan uh, is because you give you know the unknown, you know the guy in his pajamas uh, with a blog, an opportunity just to voice his ideas, and uh, you know I, I I really appreciate that, not just for me, but for the other people you've uh, you know you've given this opportunity to. I, I I thank you for doing that. I do it. It's very important to me to do so uh, because, well, I mean. I, it's experts have their place, mm-hmm. but I don't believe most of them, uh, and it's difficult to right. call them out. And what <laughs> happens is that real people, the story that you shared on this interview, that's a story that has resonance with some members of the audience who will sit mm-hmm. and look at their situation and say, wow, Mr. Groovy did it. He sounds like a nice guy, but you know, he, 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 I mean, he's got that. That that New York accent, he oh, can't God. be that smart. So. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and they'll say I, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Josh, would you mind if I let you talk to Mrs. Groovy for a little bit? She's a big fan of yours, and she just wanted to say hello. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Are you there, uh, hold, Mrs. Groovy? Oh, I got. Yeah, hold, go I'm making the transition. Hold on. Okay. Hi, Joshua. <laughs> Welcome. We heard we heard your husband's side of the story. Uh, did he tell us a bunch of lies, uh, or was it actually the case? Is- no, he he talked so loud. I was in the other room with the door closed that I could hear him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I hear that you are the one who uh, you are the one who is the savior of the family. You're the one who found Dave Ramsey. You're the one who got you guys started on the initial uh, stages of, 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 of cleaning up the messes and, and getting stable. What was it that, that opened the door to, to you starting to make those initial changes? Um, definitely Dave Ramsey. Um, he, he gives me a little bit too much credit. I think him finding money, Mr. Money Mustache, but um, just before that, uh, you know, he mentioned how he thought he was going to retire at 67. I was like 44 when we got married. 67, are you kidding me? Over my freaking dead body. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we, we've just seen too much in our family and friends and, you know, death and people dying old, people dying young. It was just, I don't know, a lot of thoughts, I think, all came together. Um, the New York thing was really strange, though, the impetus to leave New York in that three-year plan because... I always had it in the back of my mind when we got married because I don't have that much family in New York. But he was the one to suggest it. So that totally blew me away. Um, I don't think he told you this, but uh, one day after that, I looked at him and I said, you know, that day you told me you wanted to leave New York, I was doing mental backflips. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, I don't know. He's he's really the um the numbers guy. Um he says I'm like the crusher of his dreams sometimes, you know, like I'm the one who has to pull him back from things, you know. <laughs> he wanted in let's say in New York, you know, we redid our condo. I mean, yes. We sold it for 340, but Joshua, we are like a realtor's dream. We like stage, we move stuff out, we have a routine in the morning for hiding things. We had two cats at the time. He wanted to do cobalt blue countertops in a remodel in that one bedroom condo. (laughs) (laughs) He's laughing. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? People in this building are going to die here. They haven't even replaced their Formica. We're getting better Formica. Believe me, we'll be fine. You know, things like that. So I, I kind of put the brakes on things, but. I really credit him to being the the thinker in this family. I I just kind of hold him back sometimes. <laughs> What's been the most difficult thing for you two to figure out how to get on the same page? What's been really tough? You know, I don't want to seem Pollyanna, but uh, 
We think so much alike in that regard. I mean, we're very different people. I'm type A. He is totally laid back. I mean, aside from this interview with you, which like he was really rearing a go and, and making the connections and stuff. I'm usually the one, you know, behind going, did you answer your comments today? Are you going to post tomorrow? What the hell are you doing? You know, our website looks like crap. <laughs> so, but when my, when it comes to money, um, we're really on the same page. I tell you, the only thing that's been a hard decision is, um, when his family started to relocate to North Carolina, they decided to move three and a half hours north of us. This has been like the bane of my existence because we got here first. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, there were reasons for it. My, um, my niece, my um, sister-in-law's daughter um, has type 1 diabetes and, and they wanted to be north and be near um, Chapel Hill and Duke and that hospital system. So I get it. But, of course, you know, she's the the daughter in the family. So my mother-in-law and father-in-law wanted to move near her. So everybody moved towards them. And now we're all getting older and we need to move near them. You know, I like the Charlotte area better. You know, he does too, in fact, but you know, we need to be near family. So this is, this is a, um, a little bit more of a complicated decision because, um, my mom passed a few years ago and she had an identical twin sister that my brother and I are now responsible for. Um, we were not going to move her to New York where my brother is because the expenses are outrageous. So we moved her here. She's been in assisted living. She's now in a nursing home. It's like, what do we do with her? She's in a really good place, but we can't leave her here if we're three and a half hours away. So th- these are the, you know, it's logistical stuff, Joshua. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's not emotional, psychological type of, well, he wants to spend on this and I want to spend on that. We are, you know, when it comes to money, I just think we lucked out because we knew our values were the same, but, but we didn't really discuss money before we got married. You'd think in our 40s. <laughs> I mean, I knew he put his college on his credit card. He knew I had a little bit of student debt. Um, did he tell you how we met? No, he didn't. We both, as old fogies, went back for our master's degrees. Um, really? At, yeah, at Baruch College in New York. Um, I lived in the neighborhood, so it was walkable for me. And he bought his condo because it was a five-minute walk from the train station from the Long Island Railroad so that he could run into Manhattan after work. And that was the reason for him lucking out with that condo. Wow. So um, we met there during a final. We weren't even in the same class, but he had gotten um, called into work during a snowstorm, like um, all hands on deck kind of thing. Everybody had to work. And he ended up taking his final during my final with the same professor, different class. And we had a mutual friend. So we went out that night. The rest is history. Well, just as an aside, I'm a Brooklyn girl. I grew up with a lot of craziness. The night that we met, I saw the biggest bar fight I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) Paddy wagons were in the street. Girls were knocking each other out. We we ended up picking a bar. It was right before Christmas. We ended up picking a bar where this, I think it was like an IATSE union hall was around the corner. And the guys have been drinking there since the morning. So. (laughs) So my friend bowed out and went home. And later on in the evening, um, we were going to go to another bar, Mr. Groovy and I. So my friend bowed out. And later on, he texted me. No, he emailed me. And he said, I hope you took him to a better place. <laughs> and I emailed him back. I'm like, you're not going to believe it. But a fight broke out in the second bar. <laughs> <laughs> ah, New York. Uh, New York. New York. <laughs> skyscrapers and everything. <laughs> you know what that line's from, right? I don't. Oh, Stevie Wonder. Okay, I'm I'm ignorant. I'm an ignoramus when it comes to pop culture. Oh, it's it's old pop culture. Though. Okay, <laughs> uh, Stevie Wonder living for the city. Um, <laughs> so that's it. I mean, you know, we're we say we're boring and we're glad to be boring. We kind of think the same. We don't really need much out of life to be happy. You know, our health, our family, our friends, um, our house, which we're going to be downsizing. In fact, um, you know, all is good. All is good in. Uh, in groovy land here. <laughs> I could tell just by the name. Well, th- thank you to both of you for coming on and sharing your story and uh, and sharing your ideas. And I love the fact that uh, that you're blogging and writing about it to share that with others as well. Thank you. And thank you so much for your side and for having us on. And also just, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts because we walk every day. And I always tell Mr. G that 
I like you because you're very well thought out. You're not just up there winging it and slapping this stuff out there. You know, I really see the connection that you make with people. Um, I really got a kick out of when you were talking to that family. I called them the Von Trapp family, the ones that were living on the bus. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And you were talking about how you'd hit your head in their home. (laughs) And they were like, no, no, we could raise the ceiling for you. (laughs) No, I I, I just like your style. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the compliments. And thank you guys for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radical Personal Finance. If you're interested in building financial freedom for yourself and your family, please subscribe to the podcast with our free mobile app so you don't miss a single episode. Just search the app store on your mobile device for Radical Personal Finance and download our free app, which also contains an archive of every past episode of the show. If you have received value and financial benefit from the content of today's show, please consider becoming a supporting patron. Radical Personal Finance is listener-supported, and it's your direct financial support which enables me to bring you this content. In addition to your voluntarily paying for the content you've just heard, as a supporting patron, you will receive a number of member-only benefits, including a private Facebook group, access to our weekly Q&A calls, and discounts on future products and services. Details can be found at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. Again, RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.